Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the post-game Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Browns lose the Raiders 16-14, fall to 7-7 seven and seven on the season. Doug Maurice, which Ashley Bastock, Scott Patsko, Vader Kikabit, and Dan Lobby. Listen, like, it's weird. It doesn't tell you much about the rest of the season, but it looks, puts a lot more pressure on the rest of the season. So we want to look ahead off what just happened. We're going to also try to explain what just happened. But Scott, you have been breaking this down for the last week, the Browns are now seven and seven. If they had won, they would have been eight and six in first place in the division. Now they're seven and seven, last place in the division. They would have been the four seed in the AFC at the moment, right? Now they're the 12 seed. But are there playoff hopes on life support, or how much hope do they actually have at this point? I mean, everybody's playoff hopes in the AFC are on life support, I think. <laughs> they need some sort of uh, health care. Uh, it's not because they're seven and seven. Yeah, they're last, but they're only a game away from the Bengals. The reason they would have been in first place had they won at eight and six is that they beat the Bengals already. So they would have been ahead on that tiebreaker. And then they have a better division record than the Ravens who are one and three, and that could hurt them uh, down the stretch here for sure. So that's how they would have ended up in first. So now they're just a game back. And the reason why I'm not saying this is over is that you have four division games between all these teams over the last three weeks. The Browns have two of those against the Steelers and Bengals. And then the Bengals play the Ravens, the Ravens play the Steelers. So there's just a lot of opportunity to shuffle this up a little more. The Ravens and Bengals play each other next week. So if the Browns do pull off the upset and beat the Packers, they're not going to get the first place that week. But again, you still have that game against the Bengals. And if you do beat the Bengals, then you've swept them and you've won that tiebreaker. So, and like I said, the Ravens, if they lose one of their last two games in the division, that could be it for them. They lose to the Bengals this week. They're one in four in the division. That kills them. So there's just a lot of opportunity there for the Browns. A lot of things can happen. I don't, I wrote earlier in the week that they could lose to the Raiders and Packers and still win this division. And that still remains a possibility. And, when you look at what the other teams have, it's certainly, it's believable. The Bengals got to beat the Chiefs. The Ravens got to beat the Rams. I mean, those are tough games for them. And it's not over, I guess, is the point here. Mayor Kay, I think one of the things that a lot of people listening to this are going to say to themselves as well, at least the Browns will have their guys back. 
They got John Johnson, the third back for this game. They got Wyatt Teller back for this game. They got Anthony Walker back for this game. Should fans expect that many of these COVID case situations will be back on the field on Christmas day in green Bay, or is that very iffy at this point? I think it's kind of iffy. They are at the mercy of the, their test. Now, the, the good thing is they changed the testing protocol. So you only need one negative test to get back on the field, not two days of negative testing to get back on the field. So that will help a lot, but it's obviously a short week. Guys that go on late in the week, like Jadavian Clowney, they have a harder time getting back. It, you know, it usually takes a while to get that, um, to get that negative test. So nothing is given in terms of getting all of these guys back for, for everybody that thinks all of a sudden 21 people are going to be back in practice. The next time they're all out there, it might not be quite like that. Now they should get a, a significant chunk of them back. Hopefully for them, they'll get most or all of them back and that will help them because look, you saw the Baltimore Ravens almost beat the Packers. They almost beat the Packers. And so it's not like they're unbeatable. And they almost beat them, even though they lost four more guys to COVID-19 right before the game, including three defensive backs. They're starting safety, starting corner, and a, a guy that would have started at corner in Jimmy Smith had he not been on the COVID list. So, you know, Sometimes you can catch that team. Sometimes you can catch that team at this time of the year for, for whatever reason. And the other thing very quickly to keep in mind, nobody knows when the next NFL team is going to have their COVID outbreak, right? It's the big X factor of this season. We have no idea uh, what's going to happen for anybody down the stretch in the middle of this raging variant. The thing you have to keep in mind about that Baltimore Green Bay game, though, is that Tyler Huntley is a top 10 quarterback. So like that is, yeah, you must take into account. So, okay. They still have a chance at the playoffs and they might get some guys back healthy. So it's not over. There is a lot. I don't know if you guys ever get on social media, Twitter. You ever get on the Twitter machine? Unfortunately, a, a lot of the season. I actually saw there was someone in my Twitter timeline who changed the name of their Twitter handle to the season is over. That was their name. It's like, it's not over. It's not. It's truly not. But, Ashley, I don't think I love the fact that they seemed sad. Didn't they seem sad after the game? I mean, yeah. They First of all, yes, they did seem sad. I don't know that I don't love it or take umbrage with it as much as I think you are. Maybe just because I'm like, I watched it. I have no stakes in this. I just cover the team. And it was kind of gutting to see them lose like that. Now, granted, my sinking feeling was mostly due to the fact that I'm trying to rework a story I had written, but <laughs> that was absolutely brutal to watch when you think like, oh, they go up, they're in great position. They get the interception from Greedy Williams. You're like, oh, this is great. They're going to they're going to do what they always do. Nick Chubb's going to get a first down, whatever the case may be. The defense is going to get a stop and they're going to lock it up and they're going to have one against all of these odds. Like, I, I don't know that I'm super, I guess, like not confident in how the rest of the year is going to play out just because they're sad after a loss like this one. Um, because 
on the other hand, it's like, well, it's good because they're, it meant something to them to go out there. They weren't completely throwing in the towel given everything that had happened this week. Like, I'm kind of glad there was some emotion uh, surrounding this and they weren't making the excuses of, oh, well, we have 18 guys on our, you know, that would normally be on our active roster. They're on the COVID list. Oh, well. I, I think this is a, the better alternative. And I talked about this in our video that we just did before we started filming the podcast, but Mike Prefer pointed out um, that when you have a short week, like they're going to coming into that Packers game, that it doesn't let you, it kind of gives you no other option besides not to dwell on a game like this one. And I think that's going to be really important. Like this was a brutal loss. Um, I don't blame them for having some of the emotions surrounding it. Uh, but they they have this short turnaround now, so it's about what what are they going to do with it, and how are they going they going to look against the Packers? I guess, Dan, it's hard to get a read on this, right? Because we don't know who's going to play Saturday. We know there were guys on the field in this game that won't be on the field on Saturday. Do you, do you think they can like get it together? Like, do you think okay, no, nah, you know they they played a good, you know they hung around, they fought, they fought, they didn't give up. And like, yeah, we can get their stuff together for Aaron Rodgers on Christmas. I, I mean, yes, on, on paper, I think this team is perfectly capable. But I think that's sort of been the story of this season is like on paper, this team is this. But in reality, this team has been, to be quite honest, kind of what we saw tonight. I mean, this offense hasn't scored 17 points since Cincinnati. And even then before that, they couldn't score 17 points going back to the loss to the Chargers. I don't know. At some, at some point, this team kind of is who they are. And I know tonight they were a shell of that team, but unfortunately, this offense didn't look that much different than it's looked all season. They couldn't score. They couldn't finish drives. You know, I, I don't know. I, yes, this team can absolutely still win this division. I think nine and eight might win this division. And it's still all in front of them. But I guess I'm just wondering, where is, where are we finding this proof and this evidence that this football team can suddenly flip a switch and go to Lambeau Field and score 30 points to beat the Packers? I, I just, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble getting to that point. And I'm having trouble even getting to that point with like the Steelers or, or the Bengals. Now, maybe they just have the Bengals number, as Mary Kay has pointed out a number of times, but I don't know. I, I, I got to see it before I can say this team can flip a switch and, and kind of become the team we thought they, we thought they would be all season. The, the reason why I was asking about being sad, I, it's, it's okay to be sad. You tried your best. But to me, there's some version in here of, men, we played with half a team and we fought until the final second when that ball went through the uprights down 20 men. And we fought for 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Let us get our guys back. We're going to get guys back this week. And let's show the Packers who the Browns are when we have our team. Because we put 22 guys on the field, no matter what is thrown in front of us, and we never give up. But we know that wasn't us. And we appreciate every guy who stepped up and filled a hole. But that wasn't us. Let's show people who we are. Let's get these negative tests and show people who we are. I think there's that. I think that's in there. Isn't that in there? Isn't this, could this not be a thing of like, and then the Browns fell to the Raiders with their, and then they they got happy then. Sometimes you got to go all the way down to come all the way back up. Ashley, I'm hooking you in on my, on my theory here. 
Yeah, but think? like you didn't phrase the initial question like that. Had you said know. that, then yeah, like yeah, I, I think that might have been the better, yeah. the better thing. But also like, I, I don't know, it's I'm still kind of like, it was a brutal, brutal loss. Like when they immediately have to talk to us after, like, I don't know that I expect that, but Maybe you should have gone in and given a post-game speech. Oh God, I'm just dying. <laughs> if I had done, if I wasn't a high school golf player, I would love to give NFL post-game speeches. Oh, I'd love it. Okay, so I do. I do. Would there not have been a world, Dan? You said they kind of looked like sort of what they looked like. I did think this. I thought they threaded the needle of. I actually thought Nick Mullins kind of did what you kind of asked him to do. And like the, the play on fourth down and the throw to Harrison Bryant, like that was like some NFL quarterback. And that was very nice. I thought Nick Mullins was good enough to win. But I also thought there were times where it's like, oh, yeah, no, he's not as good as Baker Mayfield. I actually thought like if, if Nick Mullins looked exactly as good as Baker Mayfield, that would have been worse. One did like other oh, third string guys better than their supposed <laughs> franchise quarterback. So like I thought they kind of landed in a good spot of Nick Mullins didn't kill him. Not at all. You know, they threw a lot of throws short of the sticks on third down, which wasn't great. And I have some play calling issues. But you also could see, okay, well, this is why when you get your guy back, maybe you can get the offense to function at a better level. Do you agree with that general idea or no? Um, Yeah. I mean, if your starting quarterback is playing, it should look better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, happy, (laughs) happy. We're getting happy here. (laughs) But again, I just – like I hate to I hate to keep saying this, but like just show show me the evidence over the the last however many games that it's going to be significantly better with your starting quarterback because we we've talked about this all season. I, I don't know that it has been, and I think honestly, it might be more important to have Jarvis Landry back and Kareem Hunt back because at least then you have some playmakers. I, I think today was sort of a a reminder like there's not a whole lot in, in this pass catching group to really hang your hat on, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones bounced back in the second half, but he had a really rough, this game might be different if he makes a couple plays in the first half. And I, I just, I really think you just don't have a lot of guys in this offense that just go and win consistently over and over and over again. And I think that's a bigger, deeper issue um, with, with some of this offense as well. So I, I don't know. Yes, it should be better with Baker Mayfield as the starting quarterback. I'll, I'll say that. In How's such that a downer. How's that for analysis? <laughs> yeah, well said. I, it is interesting to watch the starting quarterback tweet in all caps during an NFL game. That was that was an interesting experience. All right, we'll take a quick break here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, come back, talk about some of the play calling, what else we learned from this Browns loss to the Raiders. Doug, Scott, Dan, Mary Kay, Ashley, back with you. Read cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the page there. You can be an insider. Man, there's a lot of inside stuff flying through the air. At a time like this, let us be your guide. Pay, buy yourself the insider for Christmas. Buy it for a friend. Buy it for a family member. Hey, you know, I, I have too much stuff in my house. I like to buy things that don't take up space. We don't take up space. We're digital. So you come, you, you know, you sign up for the thing. You get Browns. What's better? What's a better gift than Browns information? I thought, Scott, one of the things that hurt them the most for all the COVID absences they had, the fact that they lost their starting kicker to COVID and they had to sign that guy off the street who kicked on Monday night, I thought killed him because that guy looked like he doesn't belong in the NFL. I don't even remember what his name was, but he literally chunked that field goal like I chunk a pitching wedge. His foot hit the ground before it hit the ball. I hope I hope they get their real kicker back soon. I got some bad news for you. Uh, that was Chase McLaughlin. 
Uh, you know him. You love him. Yeah, I think everybody in the press box rewatched that kick. I don't know multiple times, thinking that something impacted the flight of that ball. Some people thought it was blocked. I watched. I thought for sure it hit a wire, like one of the wires they have hanging over that. Uh, they had you know the camera kind of sliding across the field, like the head. Like there's that was short. It wasn't even the fact that it was wide. It was. It didn't even make it through the end zone. So, yeah, that was not good. And I look we covered this last week in our post-game pod. I think Doug, me and you were in agreement that they really needed to bring in some people and take a, a long, hard look at other options. I don't know if they're there yet, but again, I think last week we asked, what's it going to take for him to lose a game? Well, he, they lost by two field goals are worth three and he missed one. And listen, I know there's a lot of stuff. If he had made that, that maybe they would have kicked a field goal, not gone for the touchdown later. I don't know. Butterfly flaps its wings, but if a butterfly flapped its wings, Chase McLaughlin would try to kick it and probably miss it. Like the guy is not an NFL kicker right now. He's awful. And Daniel Carlson got frozen. He sort of barely made the first kick at the end. They froze him and made him kick it again. And he drilled it. Chase McLaughlin made his first, got frozen and then looked like a kid in a middle school play forgot his lines. He got stage fright, man. Like he's Dan, he's not an NFL kicker right now. Maybe at some point in his life he has been right at this very moment. He is not an NFL kicker. Well, remember, uh, as as I said last week when we talked about Chase, they haven't even gotten into the weather games yet. And today was not a weather game for him either. The rest of the games have the potential to be weather games. And, uh, you know, wait until you're trying to kick in, you know, high winds or rain or freezing rain or all those things can happen in one game in some of these games who knows what what he's heading into so yes i i'm there i don't know if they're there or not but i'm there i i would i would replace him this week i i would replace him if there's somebody that you can find and that you can sign uh i i would go ahead and do that they've got the they probably didn't want you know to try to mess it all up again with the whole holding sequence and all of that with, with Colquitt, but he settled that whole thing down. He's, he's been punting really well, boomed that 51 yarder, pinned them at the four. So they've gotten, you know, they have that together. So I think they can sustain a change to a new kicker. If there is somebody out there uh, that, that can kick better than this. And I know, you know, there are some kickers around the league that are in that are getting injured. And so they're not the only team looking for a kicker right now. And I don't think there's a whole bunch of guys sitting around. We were kidding around about, you know, what, you know, what might Phil Dawson could Phil Dawson do any worse right now. I mean, He's missed six of his last 11 kicks. He's uh, four of 10 between 40 and 49. So yeah, I, I'm there. You, you can't try to win the AFC North or make the playoffs with, with this kicker right now. And I just, I think he's mentally cooked because when you get frozen after you make it and you chunk it, you're mentally cooked. And the fact that he's missing all the 40 to 49 yarders, the 40 to 49 yarders, those are the ones that you kind of should make, but aren't gimmies. So he makes the short ones and he makes the 50 plus because 50 plus is like, ah, I don't know. Nobody expects anything. 40 mm-hmm. to 49 is where you make your money. And he's throwing money out the window right now. All right. That's enough mm-hmm. kicker talk. Dan, what did you think of the play calling? What did you think of? the plan that Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski came up with, and then the way Alex Van Pelt called it, because it certainly did seem very, very conservative at times. I I think it was the type of play calling you have when you have a practice squad quarterback who got one practice 
And, and Nick Mullins has started games before, and he's he's played in this system before, but it's been a while, you know. So to have him come up, get first team reps for the first time on Saturday, only because you got that bonus day. You got Joel Batonio playing left tackle on one practice. You've got Blake Hans on the other side. I mean, we know how this team feels about Blake Hans because they couldn't wait to get him out of that right tackle spot and get James Hudson in uh, when when Jack Conklin got hurt. So it, it's hard for me to look at the play calling and say, well, they were a little too conservative or they were a little too. I mean, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do necessarily. And they did try some shots. You know, they tried Donovan Peoples Jones early. And he either dropped it or had it knocked away, whatever. It was hard to tell exactly what happened. They, they tried some aggressive throws down the field, but ultimately, I, I don't know what you're supposed to do with, you know, this quarterback, so little practice time, not really knowing what was coming down the pike on Monday. I, I just think it's really hard to kind of judge their approach just based on all of that stuff. I was, I was waiting for the Baker Mayfield all caps tweet about conservative play calling on their last drive, the three runs by Chubb. Cause I thought that that was really where they it had to be better. They just came off a drive where they converted three out of four third downs and Mullins was, he completed four, he completed passes on all those third downs. Last one was third and 11, got six yards. And then he comes back with a fourth down touchdown pass. Uh, I, I mean, maybe if they had to do it over again, they put the ball in his hands and let him throw it on that third and three instead of running Chubb. Again, I don't know. I know you want to run out the clock and I know you want to keep it running, but uh, I think Mullins at that point was in a good place and he had some success. He was kind of in a good rhythm. And again, they, they came off a really good drive and it just seemed, it was surprising that they just ran Chubb three times and, and that was it. So I have a lot of thoughts about this. The, the one thing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, don't all jump in at once when I am wrong. <laughs> I do think one of the things I thought maybe I noticed is I do think a veteran quarterback, a starting quarterback, I think Baker does a decent job at it of checking out of plays when it's clear that the defense is set up to stop what you have called. And I thought, especially that third down at the end, but the whole series, like they had like nine guys in the box on the third down, third and three, they have one deep safety and they have DPJ at, at the right single receiver with single coverage. And it just felt and it like off coverage a little bit. It just felt like maybe a little slant was there for the taking and to run into a nine man box. I thought, man, I just wonder if, if Baker would have checked out of the play call and gone to something like that. But I also, I thought the first touchdown call from the four on third and goal from the four, when they ran wide and they got Batonio Treader and Teller all pulling and they ran to Njoku's side and he locked up the end and it looked like a kind of play. It, it was not a very red zone play to me. It was almost like a middle of the field run play where you have that many guys pulling and it's like the kind of thing that Chubb springs for 20 odd runs sometimes, but it felt like the exact right call there. Like it worked perfectly. They didn't just try to slam it up ahead. They let their athletic linemen get out in space. And I thought that was a really good play call. So then when you get back at the end of the game, I sort of understood the inclination to want to put it in Chubb's hands, right? That like, let's run Chubb three times. But that third down play call, like didn't look anything like that. And I know you can't pull three guys every single run call, but that third down play call, Michael Dunn at left guard winds up having to get to the second level to block a linebacker. doesn't make the block. 
And JT Treader, rather than getting out in space and being able to pull, has to make a one-on-one block right off the snap against Jonathan Hankins, who's 35 pounds heavier than he is. And Hankins drives Treader into the backfield, and it's Hankins and that linebacker that Dunn did not get to that make the play on Chubb. And they didn't run to Njoku's side, and they didn't run to Batonio's side. They had run left the first two times on that drive, and then on the money down on third down, they run away from Njoku, away from Batonio, and they don't get and they don't have Teller pulling. They don't have any, like they don't have any of the things that they do best. I just I understood running there, I guess, because you want to put it on your best dude, but I didn't like the play call. I thought I thought that you go down on that play call on like Michael Dunn missing a block. I was really disappointed in, and I know you guys were all writing, and I was like, I was eating frozen pizza in my basement, so I was able to rewind that play nine times. So I'm not looking for analysis of whether Michael Dunn didn't get to the second level linebacker, but I am disappointed in the play calling. And, and here's where I do want you guys to chime in. Did they run anything? Did they have anything special? And I know it's a skeleton crew and a quarterback just trying to make sure he doesn't line up under the guard. But Anthony Schwartz is fast. I know he just got back from concussion. Didn't touch the ball. Didn't target him because he's not an NFL receiver right now. Didn't try a little handoff to him. Didn't try a little handoff to Felton. They ran the ball 24 times. Mullins never scrambled past a lot of scrimmage. Dearness Johnson ran it once. And the other 23 run plays were Nick Chubb. There was no, there was no thing. Right. They don't do any like the Mariota red zone package stuff that the Raiders do that. Dan, that's where I'm a little I just like, where's your where's because that third and three run your two point play. What's your two point play? What's your special? Not a trick play, not a trick play, but a thing where you do something off of something you've already done. Right. Where you have a tight end that looks like he's blocked and then he slips out or like a naked bootleg. And I know they run the play action bootleg, but something, Dan. I thought Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt could have come up with the magic play this week. Break this glass in case of emergency and then run a play to win the game. And I'm not even joking. I know you have, you're just trying to get the team on the field, but Dan, I'm, if, if Kevin Stefanski a genius, where's the play call that they came up with this week to win this game for half a team? It wasn't there, man. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. You know, I, I I can't argue with you in part because, honestly, I haven't looked at that third and three closely yet. I haven't looked at that series closely yet. I, I don't have a problem with them deciding to get this first down. We want the ball in Nick Chubb's hands and not in Mullen's hands. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. But, you know, I, I don't know. Again, again, some of the solutions you're throwing out there, okay, running end around Anthony Schwartz. And I guess I don't right. mean on third down like, necessarily there, but like they didn't, they didn't do anything to like throw a no, wrinkle in the run game and loosen anything up. I, I, I do think you're right. There, there was, this offense has really kind of generally lacked that sizzle all year. It wasn't just tonight. They, they've, you know, I mean, we all remember that Tennessee game a couple of, you know, last year where they were throwing the ball to Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry was slinging the ball all over the place. I mean, that, that sizzle just sort of hasn't been there very much this year. And, and this was a continuation of that. But again, it's just hard for me. To, I mean, you're pulling guys off the practice squad. You don't know who's coming off the COVID list. You don't know. You're not repping anything because you only get to practice twice. And Joel Batonio is moving the left tackle on one practice. It's just, I think it's really hard to do some of that stuff if you just don't have stability in other places. I just wanted to mention real quick that we've seen games this season, right, where 
the Colts attempted or completed five passes and Jonathan Taylor ran like the wind. And then we've seen another game where the Patriots attempted only three passes and they won the football game in both instances. Okay. So I think in this particular game, I think that, that to a certain extent, they wanted, wanted to be able to rely on Nick Chubb, their pro bowl running back and um, against the 26th ranked run defense. So I, I think that, you know, seeing teams do that this season may have inspired them a little bit. And in the first half, I mean, they took plenty of deep shots to Donovan Peoples Jones and they just didn't work out. I mean, he was just, he was off tonight until he came through on the, uh, on the touchdown drive there at the end. But I think that, I think the thinking was close out the game with your money workhorse running back who can get those yards for you when you need them. But it hasn't been that way lately now, has it? I mean, it just, it really hasn't been like that. He came up with the 24 yard run, which was crucial and pivotal, but teams are, are really taking away Nick Chubb to the extent that they can and trying to force the Browns to throw the ball. And so far it hasn't been successful, but I understand where they were probably going with that. I mean, again, we've, we've seen it happen. It's just that, you know, Nick Chubb hasn't been Jonathan Taylor lately. I mean, he just hasn't, he hasn't been that guy. So I think that has something to do with it. I, th- I mean, there, you can have variety in your offense while still running the ball a lot. I, j- I just think they've lacked it. I don't know. Uh, I, and their injuries on the offensive line are clearly a big deal. And again, the guy who didn't make the block is their ninth offensive lineman who was starting at left guard. Uh, Ashley, do you, do you, did you feel any, I don't know, sluggishness with the way they were attacking things or did it make sense to kind of keep it close to the vest with a third string quarterback? It kind of made sense. And I think I even wrote that in my quick story after the game that like Nick Mullins didn't take first team reps until Saturday. So like at that point, it's kind of a marvel that he had the basics down, let alone any kind of trickery. I mean, I do hear your larger point though with this, Doug. Like, I mean, we've talked so many weeks about how these opposing defenses are playing them. And obviously the going to bring it up one more time. The Ravens having 10 guys up at the line of scrimmage on that final drive in Baltimore last month. Like teams are essentially daring the Browns at this point to make big vertical plays. But again, I think that larger conversation isn't really impacted by tonight so much because obviously like that's been a Baker Mayfield issue for most of the season. Um, So I don't know that I'm willing to like hammer them necessarily for this tonight and for a lack of creativity tonight, because like Mary Kay said, they did try some of those big down the field shots early and Donovan Peoples Jones had some tough, some tough plays there that he either didn't make, or, you know, maybe the ball got hit out. I don't know without seeing the replay. Um, But overall, I mean, I do think there's a larger issue there that wasn't necessarily, I guess, represented tonight, just given the personnel that they had. But it's not about trick plays and it's not just deep shots. It's just like a cohesive, creative offensive approach. And I just don't think it's been there this year. I just don't. 
And I understand that I'm not asking you to run trick plays. I'm not asking you to throw a million things out there. I'm just saying, if this guy got this job on play calling, where is it? That's all. Where is it? I don't think it's been there. And I don't think it's only that. And I don't think that's the number one thing with a third string quarterback. But I just always use tight end throwback as my thing, right? Every now and then you see a team's run where they all do one thing and the tight end slips out the opposite way. And you throw back across the field of the tight end and he's standing there by himself right? 15 yards open. Just every now and then you see teams do that. They never do that. This was they've, not, they've had those plays. They've, they've gotten win. their tight this ends year? open. Yeah. They've gotten their tight ends open on Mr. How about doing a third down then they, they do it on third down that. tonight when they could have won the game. Well, on third hey, down? Maybe magic. Maybe play? We, no, maybe we're closing the book on Alex Van Pelt play caller. <laughs> well, it's, it's <laughs> Kevin Stefanski's book. Maybe we need a new well, book. <laughs> I'm kind of getting tired of this book a little bit, frankly. And no matter who the quarterback is, all he's doing is reading the book. And, yeah. and I already read this book and, and it's getting a little boring. All right. Nick Mullins on the cusp of folk hero status. Did you guys think it was going to happen? You're sitting there, you're living it, you're watching. Like, do you think, did you think this was it? They were going to build, have a parade for Nick Mullins the way this was unfolding? I looked at Dan after I think like the first two passes Nick Mullins completed. And I said somewhere on Twitter right now, some fan is advocating for Nick Mullins to be the full-time starter of the Cleveland Browns for the final three games. I didn't think that, but I guarantee that that was the conversation that was being had on fan Twitter. His last thought- start, by the way, here's some trivia. Sorry, Mary Kay. His last start was exactly one year ago tonight. Mm. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> I thought when Greedy Williams picked out picked off the pass, I really thought that you know that that was going to be it for them. I I thought that was it. I thought you you know that was the takeaway that they needed to close out this football game and put it away and have this you know all these feel good stories that would have come out of this game, not just a Nick Mullins parade, but the COVID ravaged coach in the basement quarterback tweeting out things from his home victory. You know, we would be writing a book about this at the end of the season. Right. But uh, yeah, that's when I thought that it was over, but you know what other teams close out football games. We've seen it all year long. Other football teams can close out a game. The Browns struggle to do it. It just so seemed like to me that they had all the momentum after after that second touchdown there in from Nick Mullins to Harrison Bryant. And like the thing that was impressive to me about those two scoring drives that the Browns had was that in both of those drives, they had touchdowns earlier in the drive that got called off for different reasons. And joke the Njoku catch on the first one was rolled at incompletion. And then obviously the the teller uh, penalty there on the Bryant touchdown. But they didn't like crumble. Like they came back and they made it work, anyways. And I thought that was, you know, a solid sign that they weren't going to let that defeat them and just kind of have the whole drive blow up either time. And then, like Mary Kay said, when Brady Williams got that turnover, I mean, it was like, oh, they're going to, the defense is going to seal the game just like they did last time out. And obviously, it didn't happen. So, again, to kind of go back to the beginning, that's like why I understand why it was so grueling because if we felt like that, I imagine that those guys on that sideline felt like that too. All right. Quick last break. We'll come back and talk about the Browns defense and the fact that they didn't close it out next 
on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. All right, let's do a quick news update on Miles Garrett first. Is he okay? Was it a groin pull? What did he say after the game? He didn't get into specifically what it was. It, it looked like it was a groin. He looked like he was laboring running off the field, but he was out there. And there, there's a photo going around social media of him attempting to block that field goal. And he's jumped higher. He jumped higher on that kick than if you took every jump I've ever made and combined it. So I, he's hurting, but he, he's going to play through everything. So you could see like when he did come back in, there were times where he was like trying to rush the passer and he's kind of limping around a little bit. So he clearly wasn't like yeah. his full self. And Mary Kay Tack McKinley, it, it seems like it's going to be bad news. Is that right? It seems like it. Uh, it almost seems like, you know, maybe, I don't know if it's a broken ankle, but he couldn't put maybe any it, weight it on it. An, it might be an Achilles. That's the initial, that was the NFL network report, but that's, oh, okay. we, we don't have okay. that confirmed yet. Okay. Usually, yeah. Usually that gets a grab in the back of the leg and I didn't see him do that. Right. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, that would be bad. I mean, he was, he was in tears on that cart. I mean, yeah. we all saw that he was in tears on the cart. And so that looks like a season ender. Although I thought that Kareem Hunt may have done the same thing earlier in the year and he wasn't out for the year, but still, even if it's, you know, a torn something, it's still probably going to put him out for the rest of the season. And I, I think that hurts, especially because, as I mentioned before, uh, with Jadavian going on the COVID list so late in the week, you don't know if he's going to make it back in time for this game. He did have symptoms. So even before he can try to test negative, he's got to be asymptomatic first. So they could be without Tack and Jadavian when they go into Green Bay and try to win this game. I did think there were moments there, Scott, where the Raiders were running the ball pretty effectively for patches of this game. It felt like they really missed Clowney's run defense. And it felt, I mean, there were times when the Raiders felt like they hit on something. I sort of running off left tackle a little bit. Did, did you feel like that was showing up? Yeah, they also missed Troy Hill, too. Um, there was one play that I remember specifically where uh, MJ Stewart was in the slot and they uh, motion uh, uh, and it was receiver or tight end to the other side. Stewart went with them and they ended up running right through the hole where Stewart had been. It was a pretty nice gain. And you wonder if Troy Hill maybe would have, would have passed that guy off to somebody. Um, I don't know. It, I think Troy, I mean, Troy Hill has been one of the best run defenders. So if you get him and Clowney on the field together, that makes a big difference. Uh, I think when it comes to the defense, they played, well enough to win. I mean, they almost <laughs> over the last half of the season, they've almost always played well enough to win, but the Raiders really didn't have to operate with much sense of urgency for most of the night because the Browns were struggling so bad on offense and the Raiders really were taking their time. A lot of really short third down uh, conversions. They really didn't have to push the ball downfield much at all. Uh, and I think that that really made a difference. Like if the Browns have been able to score and, keep the Raiders having to move and not falling behind like that to start off. It might've been a different, a different game. They might've been able to get more pressure on Derek Carr, but as it was, they just, you know, quick throws, short throws, and they just, they took their time and were kind of methodical about it. So it, it I thought, I think Scott, you might've mentioned this. It felt like they did pick on MG, MJ Stewart a little bit early on. And again, when you're starting to run down the list of guys, like that made sense. I mean, he had the pass interference call that I guess did people think that was iffy 
It was kind of like yeah. they were grabbing each other, and maybe MJ yeah, Stewart even was, got grabbed more than he grabbed. That was that was a bad call. Yeah. So that was rough for him. That's forty six yards, and then they had a couple others where they did gain some yardage on him. But but let's finish off with this, and I think we can try to take some stuff away from this. At the end of the game, the Raiders get a holding call at an absolutely critical time, and it looks like they're gonna pop something and keep moving and. Instead, their their left tackle gets a holding call, and all of a sudden, it's second and 11 for the Raiders on their own 43-yard line with 29 seconds left. And that is kind of a tough spot, right? They're out of timeouts. Like, that, that that's a little hairy. You kind of need almost like, like if you would have got a sack there, right, that, that might have been it. You need like one great defensive play or maybe two solid defensive plays. And Dan, like they, they don't do it. They give up a fifth, a 12 yard catch and run to Foster Moreau. Is it Foster Fuller, Frank Foster. Fred Foster. And I'll tell you, it's one of the strangest things because the two guys, so this is hard too. Moreau blocks and then leaks out. And the closest defender to him in that zone is JOK. And he is a little bit late to the party on the little quick flip to Moreau. JOK is late to react. And then as he's coming to the sideline, I think he's worried because, and then the other guy coming up to make the play is Denzel Ward. And JOK and Denzel Ward converge on Moreau and neither of them tackle him. And he gets like seven extra yards. And that's not MJ Stewart and Javante Moffitt screwing that up. That's like two or three best players who are left on the defense. JOK and Denzel Ward in space. They give up seven extra yards. I think because they were worried they were going to run into each other trying to make a play. Devastating. And then they come back right away and hit Zay Jones for a quick little 15-yarder, and that's it. So, Dan, like, for all the stuff, for not making a great third down call, for all the stuff, they get the break of the holding call, and then they give up 12 and 15 spike field goal. They just needed a couple more plays, man, and and some of their best guys couldn't do it. it it's what we all thought was going to happen last week, right? The Ravens get the onside kick. Oh, Justin Tucker's going to come out and make a 50-yarder and win the game. And the defense stepped up. They got a sack, to, kind of similar to that holding call. They get a sack, and then on fourth down, they get off the field uh, on the Denzel Ward play, and, and this week they didn't make the plays. Uh, and, and I think that's the most disappointing thing today. You had third and three. You gave the ball to Nick Chubb. You didn't convert. You had your defense on the field, which was the most whole of, of all the phases of the game that you had. And you couldn't, you thought you did when Greedy had the interception, but you know, you had to go back out there and you, and you couldn't stop them. And, and I think that's the most frustrating thing is for all the stuff the Browns had to deal with and the adversity they had to deal with. The ball was in the hands of probably their best offensive player available tonight. And they didn't convert the first down to run out the clock. And then with their defense on the field, which is the unit we've said, who do you want on the field to win a game? It's the defense. They were unable to get off the field. And, and so that, that makes this loss a little extra frustrating. You know, the other thing about uh, Moreau, none of those guys could hold on to the ball for the Raiders. I mean, my goodness, they had, I wrote, I was keeping little notches for every time they dropped a pass. They were like, they had like six dropped passes. And I think I had, Moreau down for two of them. So, but in the clutch, just kind of like Donovan Peoples Jones came through in the end. Uh, their guy came through in the end, in the end, 
to atone for some of those earlier mistakes. Had Derek Carr's guys hung on, including Deshaun Jackson on that one play oh. on which he was wide open. Huge. This game wouldn't have even been close, but I mean, Donovan Peoples Jones did the same thing on the Brown side, but uh, you know, I just thought it was, you know, in that moment, he finally hung on to a pass and, and made up for what had gone on before, but you're right. I, I said, heading into this game that the Browns ha- still have with what they had left. They still had more key clutch, better players than the Raiders did. And I still think that, I mean, they, they have, again, they, their five pro bowlers were out there. I mean, Miles Garrett did not suffer the groin injury until the fourth quarter. Well, you know what? In a game like this, you've got to take over the game in the first three quarters then before you suffer the groin injury. You've got to be so dominant that you are wrecking the football game because they had Tech McKinley for most of that. You know, they still had JOK for, for the whole game. They still had Denzel Ward. They had John Johnson, the three. I mean, John Johnson, third. I mean, Nick Chubb. David Njoku, Wyatt Teller, Joel Batonio. I mean, name me. The, the Raiders did not have their two best football players in Darren Waller, not two of their best football players in Denzel Perriman and Darren Waller. You take those guys off the field for them. I mean, they just don't have a whole ton going for them over there. So I still really believe that the Browns, should have won this game. And I, I do think that they they did not have their biggest guys step up big in the biggest moments. And I thought it was set up. The Joe Jackson was the end who forced the holding call on Colton Miller mm-hmm. that knocked the Raiders back. It was like Joe Jackson late in a game, like from nowhere, rushing hard, right? And forcing a tackle to hold him on a huge play. I was like, man, Joe Jackson, I can't wait to write about Joe Jackson. All right, so let's end it with what Mary Kay just said, Ashley. The Browns should have won this game. Is that right? As we look at everything that went into it, everybody they were missing, the way it unfolded, how bad the Raiders are, Raiders are bad. Should the Browns have won? Yeah, and I think they would say they should have won based on all of the emotions and the opportunities and kind of like everything we'd already talked about. They went up, they got the takeaway with less than just under three minutes to go. They had multiple opportunities at that point. I mean, they go three and out when their offense has the ball after that takeaway. And then they let the Raiders get like three first downs. And again, second and 11, like you said, Doug, in a tough, some tough field position for Derek Carr and the Raiders. And They just got it done and the Cleveland defense didn't. And I think at the end of the day, they know they should have won. And that's why there's so many emotions wrapped up in this loss. Scott, should they have won? Before the game, I would say no. After seeing them take the lead with 345 left, I will say yes. But I don't think it's a game. They were out without their quarterback. And I know you had Teller and Batonio out there, but you had Batonio playing tackle and three-fifths of the line with one guy out of position isn't that's not good they seem to know where Moffitt and Stewart were on every pass play tonight I you can have just a couple wrong guys out there and it could just make all the difference in the world so I I don't think this was a game that they should have won 
but it certainly was a game that turned out to be one they could have won. Dan, should they have won? Yes, they, they should have won. And it, it, this is just going to be, this is the theme of the year. You know, I, I'm just looking at it now. Two score lead against Kansas City, lose. Uh, ball with the ball in your hands with a chance to beat the Chargers, you lose. You lose 15 10 to the Steelers. You intercept Lamar Jackson four times, you lose. You have the lead 14 13, a third and three with a chance to run out the clock, and you lose. There's going to be a lot that haunts this team if, if they don't take care of business over these last three games. It's a very tough spot because I think media often does this that if you make a big play and you win, then you made a big play, right? But if you make a big play and you lose, then people forget, oh, they didn't make any big plays, right? So, like, to me, I was going to say, I think they're at a weird spot as a franchise right now where for the last several years, I mean, they had been defined by being incompetent, right? They couldn't even, they couldn't even avoid fighting with each other in the building. So they're competent now. Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry are competent but it has felt like all year that they are competent and efficient, but they don't have that little magic, that little sparkle that gets you over the top, right? That we see so many teams have, whether it's a quarterback, a lot of times it's a quarterback making a play out of nothing, or it's, you know, whatever, a pass rusher getting home. Now, listen, you know, Nick Mullen scrambled. Harrison Bryant got knocked down. He stood back up. He threw him a touchdown pass on fourth down. If they had won, I would have said, that was the sparkle. Greedy Williams covers a guy deep, makes an interception in the final four minutes. If they, if they win, I would have said, Greedy Williams, that's the sparkle. So I know I'm maybe being unfair here. But sometimes, Dan, I think it's your point on this. They are a competent, solid, talented football team. But, like, they just haven't found ways to win. And sometimes teams like find a way to win. And that is actually, that's like a real quality. That's a real skill. And a lot of times it comes from your quarterback, but I think sometimes it comes from your coach and sometimes it can come from other players on the team. And I do think tonight, but other games this year, they've lacked that. You know, I mean, just look to the, to the Ravens game yesterday. They were without their starting quarterback. They, once again, they lost Chris Westry, Chuck Clark, who was their only remaining starting defensive back from the four they started out with throughout the season. They've lost J.K. Dobbins. They've lost Gus Edwards. Their whole entire, they were down to smoke and mirrors in their defensive backfield. Talk about putting a couple wrong guys out there. And they absolutely 100% almost beat the Packers, except for that, that last play. So, I think that the Ravens and the situation that they're in, in terms of the losing four guys to four starters to COVID right before the game and having their backup quarterback in the game, who, by the way, turns out to be a really good quarterback. I think that in some ways is not equal to the, what the, went, what the Browns went through tonight, but it's a lot of adversity that they suffered and almost beat the 11 and three Packers. We're talking about a team here that lost five of its last six games and is broken and doesn't have Darren Waller and doesn't have Denzel Perriman. Okay. A broken football team. They're last in this and last in that they they're last in third down conversions. They're 26 against the run They're The Browns had enough good players. They should have won this game. The way 
the, the recipe and the, like the way the Browns get that magic, the way they win is by getting a lead, preferably a double mm. digit lead. When they have a 10 point lead or better, since Kevin Stefanski showed up, they're 15 and two. Now, when a lot of those games are those games where we're ranting and raving about how the other team came back and made it close, but they still win those games. That's a pretty good record. So tonight when they went down early, it's like, eh, that's not, not a good play for this. This is not a comeback team. And Kevin Stefanski's teams have not been good at coming back. But if they get a lead, they can figure that out. They're pretty good. I just want to end on something, too, if we're, if we're about to end here. I just want to say this. Do you guys really, really believe that one of the other teams isn't going to end up with a better record that, than the Browns in the AFC right now? Because it division? seems to me like in the division, it seems to me like the Bengals or the Ravens, one of those guys are going to win two games. I said this on the video we did before this. The way you win this division is you go and you beat somebody you're not supposed to. So the Browns play at the Packers on Christmas, right? You win that game, it changes things. Uh, the Bengals have a game against Kansas City on January 2nd. You win that game, it gives you an edge. Um, the other game here, Pittsburgh plays Kansas City next week on the 26th. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be, unless one of these teams wins one of those games they aren't supposed to, because I don't think any of those teams are going to be favored in any of those games. Right then it it is going to come down to all those division games Scott was talking about. But if you go upset somebody, that changes the math. That changes it from, hey, you can win this division at nine and eight to like, uh uh-oh, maybe you you do have to get to 10 now. Mm -hmm. And the Ravens had their upset against Green Bay on their fingertips and they didn't get it done, which is why (laughs) that was obviously – a huge that was result. the killer for that was and, the killer. And the Raven and the Ravens play the the Rams. I think that's the team I left out. Yeah, the yeah they had the two two of those in the last three weeks. Two of those exact same games, plays, losses. The Ravens did. So listen, the Browns were in terrible shape. I think they do deserve credit for competence. Mike Prefer and Alex Van Pelt and Joe Woods and Kevin Stefanski cobbled this together and had this team ready to compete, and they did. They competed. They were absolutely hamstrung and they didn't, you know, they didn't have a gazillion penalties. They didn't look clueless, right? They just were trying to play it close to the best. You could almost feel them early on trying to let their defense make a play. Let's just make sure the offense doesn't kill us. Let's see if our defense can make a play. And then once it was getting a little out of hand, then they pushed the envelope a little bit, which led to that second touchdown drive. So I I do think there's a world where they could have gotten blown out tonight because it's just COVID wrecked you. But as Mary Kay said, the Raiders stink. So that helped also. So all is not lost. I think they've got to spin this into, hey, man, we almost won with half a team. Wait till we get a full team. And I think they have a shot to do that. But in the end, the Raiders were a broken team and the Browns had a broken kicker. (laughs) I'm just going to keep talking about that till they get rid of that guy. It's not personal. He's just terrible at his job. Thanks to you guys for listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Make sure you're reading Cleveland.com slash Browns. For Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, Dan Lobby, and Mary Kay Cabot, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the Orange and Brown Talk podcast.